0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to An Unexpected Podcast. And as you'll see below, we have the return of a familiar face who's been absent for a while. Rainier, welcome back. Um, why don't you tell us where in the world you've been and what exciting stuff you've been doing for you know An Unexpected Podcast Corporation and where you are now in the newest branch office?
1: Yeah, so I've been spreading the sweet love of Unexpected Podcasts across the world um, door by door. <laughs> No, for those who don't know, I am an international school teacher. I used to work in South Korea, but I moved countries. I currently now work in Honduras. And I made that decision to move because my wife's family's from here and we want to be closer to them. But yeah, that's all I've been up to, switching jobs, switching countries, visiting family in the US and the Netherlands. And it's just been really crazy busy. Plus. Surprise, there's going to be another gamer joining the clan in De- December, so I got a baby on the way. So things Congratulations. Thanks. Things, things have been wild, crazy, but...
0: Uh, uh, so what's the Honduran SBG scene look like?
1: Oh, so just like South Korea, it's a booming community. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's... The, the good thing is my, my, my current school that I work for has a lot of British um teachers and many of them are familiar with strategy battle gaming so there's potential there in the sense that i invited maybe a few over and they all saw my minis and were like is that spg and i was like you know it well, so yeah so here we go we're gonna probably start a little group here in honduras and there are two i remember there are a lot of latin american viewers in our channel and stuff that have so like if anyone's ever in honduras like shoot me up and we'll get a game in
0: is there a, is Honduras part of the Games Workshop Empire? Is there a is there a Games Workshop store down there or
1: or no? It is not. So it's still technically a developing country. Um, yeah, I have not seen any any of them. I've seen them in Mexico and Brazil, but not in Honduras. Sadly,
0: it's still unconquered territory for Games Workshop. it's like far out over here. It's still part of Middle Earth, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so the topic of the episode uh, this time around is what we're calling "make good good again." So we've talked a lot about Meta, and we've talked a bit about the difference between U.S. Meta, which is very evil heavy, and then we talked a bit about um, UK Meta or at least Articon Meta, which is not nearly as good heavy. Um, so we wanted to 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 think a, at least a bit about. Um, what counters might be out there to kind of the evolving meta in at least the U.S. So the evil legendary legions, the shooty evil armies, um, and uh, things like Assault on Lothlory and things like Assault on Helm's Deep um, and uh, some of those lists and you know, kind of see what those lists uh, would look like um, and uh, talk through what some various components would be. But before we do that, We are going to do a list review from Swee. And let me see if I can get this up on the screen, everybody.
2: I'm I'm sure that's their real name.
0: Yep, I think so. (laughs) All right. Okay, so we have a list from SWE. Uh, He's a UK player. He's getting set to go to his first tournament in a few weeks. It's a 600-point list. He's taking Harad Mordor um and uh saying harad at 600 is a bad points level if you want suladan and the betrayer i'm not convinced that's true but we'll set that aside for right now um and he's hoping we could give a uh, critique of uh, his list so warband one he has suladan on armored horse he has nine harad warriors with bow and spear three abrican guard or watchers of karna with twin blades hasn't made up his mind yet uh, i guess we can uh, we can discuss that he's got six serpent riders so that's a uh oh is that legal i'm not hundred percent certain that's legal isn't suleidan a uh hero of valor no he's legend he's legend okay yeah um and that's right betrayers the hero of valor um we got a Mouth of Sauron on armored horse, ten Black Numenorians, two Morannans with shield and axe, three Morannans with shield and spear, uh, and then rounding it out, we have Shelob, which comes in at 36 models, five might, with nine bows and eight mounted. And uh, he said, alternatively, he was thinking of swapping Shelab out and uh, the, or Shelob and the Mouth out for Witch King on armored horse, crown, 317, three for the better spells and Harbinger. As well as the extra point of might. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll share some thick, quick thoughts, and then I'll I'll, I'll put it over to the community. I mean, my first thought when I saw this was um, that it is in it's badly in need of a ring wraith. Uh, there's a lot of terror in this list. It's a big terror shield wall of nine Black Numenoreans. Uh, I'm sorry, ten Black Numenorians, and then we've got a Shelob. I think. All of them really want harbinger of evil around there. If you can get it, um, and uh, that I think you really want a witch, or not, not necessarily a witch king, possibly a witch king. We can, you know, kind of talk about how you get it. But I think you really want a ring wraith there. Um, and then the question kind of becomes, what do you put in uh, to be your killer with it? Um, I think that's, that's the big thought that I'll throw out there for, uh, for right now, but uh, why don't other people give your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's hard because you kind of see where the player's going with it. I would have not, I, I like the build right now, to be honest, because it's spread out. So with Shelob and the Mouth of Sauron, you're basically getting what feels like a ring wraith on Felbeast, but they're split. Shelob being like that nice knock down, go like assassin or mess up troop formations. And I do like that the Mouth of Sauron has transfix at 600 points, because you're gonna see a lot of one will, uh, speaking of good armies, like one will heroes at like 70 or 80 points. Transfix with that, plus he's five five. So it's kind of hard because I don't know, a Wraith sounds perfect, but you would have to because the, their ally and have to choose, he would have to choose either a named Wraith or the Witch King. And I think that's just gonna be too many points. So I don't know, I like it as it is right now because you have that punch from the Zerg Riders, the punch from Soladan with the banner, you have a few bows that ever can guard, which you could keep or switch, but that's another little bit of punch. Black Numenoreans with a the defense, they still cause terror. And uh, some Rannons with that strength four, all with like two Cav Fight Five like heroes and Shelob. I like it. I really like it, to be honest. I don't think I would change it, even though it would benefit the army.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, this this is definitely a solid list. And I think if you're... If you're dead set on going with the style of list that, uh, oh, that's a nice blue screen. Um, Oops, if sorry. you're dead set uh, on if going that with uh, <laughs> that sort of style of list that you're planning on um, uh, planning on taking, then sure. Um, just sort of with with my play style. Um, Rainier sort of talked about how, uh, the mouth of Sauron and Shelob together sort of make up a, a broken down fell beast almost, but, um, with how I like to play, I would almost, uh, take the mouth of Sauron, take Shelob and fuse them together and make an actual fell beast, um, uh, which I would say I'd probably, I'd probably make the witch king on fell beast, uh, with crown, um, which, sure, doesn't have the, the same, I guess, separated force that the Mouth of Sauron and Shelob have, um, but allows you to to concentrate your damage in a more precise area, and also has the might points to be able to deal that damage, and, of course, drastically increase spell casting ability, because while the Mouth of Sauron does have four will, and he is pretty good at casting, um... Using him on his own, without a ring ringwraith to back him up, means that he will usually just drain the will of one hero, and then nothing else will happen. So, if I were to to tailor this list more to my style, I would drop Mouth of Sauron, Shelob, um, and it look looks like at the bottom he's asking uh, if he should swap out for a Witch King with Armored Horse, Crown, and three seventeen three. That feels a little bit passive to me. So I think I would go uh, I would go with the Felbeast um, with that immediate threat that your opponent has to worry about. Um, and then uh, you might have to do some points adjustments. Uh, there's a couple of ways to do that. Um, you could maybe drop some Serpent Riders down to some regular Warriors, drop a couple of guys. But I think... Um, Having Shelob as your only monstrous threat um, and basically only working uh, along with Suladan because the mouth of Sauron while being fight five is, is more of a pseudo threat than an actual threat because he doesn't have strike um, and he's only got two attacks. Um, so yeah, I think if I was going full competitive and if you have the Fel beast model, I would certainly take the Fel beast instead um, but I think this, this list could work just fine. And, um, it seems like it's your, your first tournament. So my advice, just take it and have fun.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting what Evan says, and I do agree with him fully. I would not do, uh, which King on the horse with crown and sold Cause I've actually seen that a lot at tournaments at 600 and it's, it's good, but it's not like spicy. And I feel like the monster makes it spicy. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, whether or not your first tournament having the Witch King on crown and dropping your numbers or having like a whole bunch of different little threats would do. My personal play style, I would keep it with the little threats, but I feel like Evan, what Evan says is super valid. And it depends on what you're comfortable with. If you want to just focus on like your army and two heroes and that's easier to play with. Or if you want to focus on the three heroes and kind of playing them like softly, it's, it's completely what you're, you're comfortable with. I guess the
0: only I guess the only thing I would add is, I wanna say I have done a 600 point Suladan betrayer list. And um, I wish I'd spent a little more time with this beforehand so i could have called that back up at 600 points um and you have to get rid of some stuff i don't think you you, you can use the black Dividorians. i think what it is is it's a bunch uh basically it, it's it's suladan it's the betrayer on a horse it's um a uh uh captain um might even have been a uh, a king um on a horse like about three serpent riders and the rest was some um, hard warriors with bow um being backed up by serpent guard um, and you end up with it you end up with a decent number of uh of figures i'll see if i can um yeah, I think you, that on the you keep
2: you keep you keep stalling, Dad. Um, yeah, okay. Right now, I'm making a list, so you're king. Yeah. Um, and I th- think this actually works out fairly well. Didn't um, you want to vent with that, Matt? Like, because I played you against it, and it was pretty pretty nasty. Because yeah, it was. So, so get... right now, sorry. Sorry to butt in, but I've got slowdan on horse, betrayer on horse. Um king on horse with war spear three serpent riders um something like 16 Heradrum bowman 16 serpent guard well actually i can bump the the bowman up a little bit more to max the bow limit but it's roughly 38 models um yeah and you can do with that what you will but i think that's a pretty strong list
0: yeah so i i've used that i think i think i may have taken that to a tournament at, um in uh I wonder if that's the one. What, what, either I took that or a similar list to the to one of the tournaments in Philly.
1: Yeah, I think it was the King of King of Prussia one historically. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and um, uh, I remember doing well with it. I can't remember how I ended up turning out with that, but uh,
2: I I remember that tournament. I think you won that tournament.
0: Okay, you well then, then there you I, go.
2: I think I think I played Devon round three. In contest of champions with Rangers of Athelion against Gulivar and the Witch King, and got absolutely smashed. And then next round, um, you narrowly beat him in like Hold Ground or something like that. So clearly, it's a good list because it yeah. it can win tournaments. So no, anyway, no.
0: that I mean that's a, that's a kind of a radical restructuring. But you did say at the beginning that you would like to do a pure Herod list at 600. Um, I think you can do it with Suladan and the Betrayer. Um, you just have to go. Um, you have to go. You, you have to basically just max out your bows, max out your serpent guard, throw in a few serpent riders, and you basically have a list that's all about poison shooting and poison weapons, and that's that's your list. Um, you can't kind of throw in a lot of bells and whistles with it. Um, I guess yeah. Like I said, I mean, as you guys said, this work list will probably work fine. Um, there are some things about it that I think keep it from being kind of as dangerous as it could be. The fact that the mouth doesn't have strikes, so you've only got uh Suladan to strike. Um, the fact that uh, you've got a whole bunch of black but no, and, and a terrifying monster, but no minus one to prevent people to charge, charge you, which kind of takes a lot of the sting out of that terror wall. I wish there was some other way, um, around that. Um, and you know, I wonder, I wonder if some sort of cheaper version of the witch King, I don't think you want an armored horse, maybe just put the witch King on a regular horse. And if you could figure out a way to maybe give him a crown and make him, uh, make him, you know, something like, uh, uh, three, um, you know maybe 3122 or something like that and don't make him the leader make Suladan the leader uh cuz they're both heroes of legend um uh might be a way to do it and i'm wondering if maybe you could fit him in and still have shelob if you maybe
2: so the the cheapest witch king that you can reasonably get yeah, i think would be crown horse 3 might no extra will one extra fate which is 125 points. Okay. So even then it's, it's not um yeah it's a it's a big jump.
0: Well, um, I mean you could drop three serpent riders to get that. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, three serpent riders and like, you know, take a shield off of one of your Moranans. Um and, you know, you could probably so that's, that's three figures down. I think you're still probably okay at 600 points. Um, and then if you wanted, if you wanted to bulk up his will a little bit, you know, maybe you drop like one more figure and throw, uh, another, um, couple will in there, but cause you could actually, yeah, I mean, you could probably deal with, um, you, you, you could actually probably do kind of a cheaper mix of your horad guys if you wanted to put the bowman in front uh or at least some bowman in front and then um uh, some uh, some some get some um, serpent guard and put them behind maybe ways to cheapen it up anyway it, it, it it's a it, it's a thought um you'd end what you would end up with, Is a um, how many might does the mouth of Sauron have? He's he only got two, yeah. So you'd end up with an extra might, you'd end up with Harbinger of Evil, you'd end up with a um, you know, a three attack uh hero who could cast you know some different spells, and you'd end up with more will to cast them with. Um, so it would add a whole bunch to this army that I think probably this army needs. And I think it probably would be worth sacrificing some figures to get. Just my thought.
1: I I would counter, but I don't know. I'm always countering it just with my play style, (laughs) but I would counter because 600, a lot of the scenarios are very, um, you go, you move all over the board, you know, you want to go get, get the objectives. So I would counter to say that even if, I don't know, Shelob and the mouth mounted kind of, Bring range to the list to where if they were separated, you can kind of get
0: more out of it. I that... mean, you still have Shelob and the Witch King mounted. Oh, so, oh, yeah, I don't think you're losing. I mean, you're losing three Serpent Riders, is what you're losing, and mm-hmm. possibly a, you know, possibly a Morannon. Okay, so you're
1: talking, uh, convert the mouth of Sauron to the Witch King mounted,
0: right? Mm-hmm. To, for kind of a cheap Witch King mounted with either 10 or 12 will and and one fate
1: make magic a lot better and then would you make suladan or the witch king your leader
0: i would make suladan the leader okay i okay because then I you've would... got then you got the witch king to kind of throw into combat and and kill stuff mm-hmm. um and suladan can kind of hang back and keep his banner safe that's true not all your head well
1: yeah i don't that because can suladan be... can get wounded pretty
2: easily yeah, I think it, depends, he's on, got more it fate. depends on how many fate you... you Suladan yeah. is one fate. Um, have, oh,
0: that's right. He's only got one fate. But
2: uh, I think it depends on how many fate points you give the Witch King. Because um, yeah. I think I think the Witch King can be a much safer leader. Um, and it also has the benefit of, in ser- scenarios such as to the death and heirlooms, splitting your victory points. Mm-hmm. So if you kill Suladan, you don't get both the banner points and the leader points. But obviously if you give the Witch King one fate, then you put a massive target on his head.
0: Yeah, so. that's that's the problem. And I don't think you really have points to give him two fate. I mean, maybe you can. It depends how many figures you take off and how much will you're willing to put aside. The the other thing you can do if you have um if you have Suladan as the leader is you can throw in the witch king and you don't care if he runs out of fate and disappears. So you can. You know, you can just throw him in with Wild Abandon and maybe cast that extra spell or get a, get him into that last combat at the end of the game. Try and blow him up. Whereas if, you know, if he's, if he's your leader, once he gets down to like two will left, you got to really pull him out. And he's not going into the fight with a lot of will to begin with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I would prefer him like not going into combat too much so he could cast... And like having the freedom to where like you can kind of throw Solidan in and to combat because he is pretty combatty actually, but like not kill him for the banner points, but be willing to get him one or two wounds in the in the game and yeah. not.
0: He's he can be pretty squishy though if you get him into the the wrong place. But you know, I guess the witch king can also just implode. So I guess it's anyway, it you you at least have a choice between them. Anyway, I think that's an I think that's an option. I think kind of a a low-cost witch king on horse is an option. Mm-hmm. So, instead of instead of the Mouth of Sauron, but and, and and like I said, I think if you can if you can sacrifice the points to get that done, um, you're going to have a lower model count, but your terror wall is going to be a lot more terrifying, um, and you're going to have a second strike in the list. Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: But well, let us know like how you do at the event. I'm super curious.
0: Yep. There you go. Okay. So let's, uh, let's move on to our main topic. So our, our, our main topic, as I mentioned at the beginning, is make good good again. Um, this is in no way a political statement. This is merely a play on words. Um, the uh, the, the idea was to come up with a you know some sort of good list that are good counters to the way at least the American meta is showing is shaping up. So as we discussed in previous episodes, if you missed them, the American meta is very much evil centric. It's very much evil shooting centric. Um, and we're uh, starting to see a lot of uh, assault on Lothlorien. We're starting to see a lot of assault on uh, Helm's Deep um corsairs are still pretty prevalent um the nova winning army uh was um was a whole bunch of half trolls uh and uh along with uh some kings and some harad guys um for shooty ability um lots of evil out there so i think we're going to do this in two phases i think i think in the first phase uh we're each going to throw out for consideration by the group a uh an aspect of a good list and then we can all kind of discuss how important we think this is and whether this is something that would be you know well it's nice to have but you know there's other things that are more important uh as something this is yeah this is this is good and important to have and if you can fit it in your list that's great or you know maybe yeah, this is essential and you need yeah this is if you're going to compete these days you need this in your list um so I'm going to throw out the first one um, just off the top of my head and just say blinding light. So uh, how important is is it to have blinding light? How much should we be structuring our list to have blinding light in it these days?
1: I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good, it sounds really simple, but it's not because the discussion around it, blinding light, light typically only takes six inches, a six inch bubble and it's hard when you have so much evil shooting that it's like, you can't keep all of your things within six inches. But I would agree with Matt, like my whole conversation on this episode is going to be around me playing evil and what I do not like playing against what challenges me as an evil player. So with that in mind, I think blinding light is very important to bring as well because it kind of like puts a lot of, I don't want to say all evil shooting players just play in a pocket and shoot. There's a lot to it. Uh, the Assault on Helm's Deep List also has Fight 4, Strength 4 spread throughout, the Half Troll List has a ton of power, um, even Corsairs have like layers of shooting along with traps and all that, but yeah, I would say Blinding like help, helps because it puts the initiative back onto the evil player to where they have to kind of counter it or they have to make moves, and that's typically when they do make mistakes, so I'd agree with you, Matt.
0: So, so where would you put it? Nice to have, good to have, or essential to have?
1: I would put it very nice to have.
0: <laughs> very nice so, to have.
1: Not, not quite essential. Um, I think there are other ways to counter these, these evil, evil, I guess, meta armies that are popping up. I think it's very good to have because it kind of challenges them. But even as an evil player, and I've played Mahood and Corsairs, and things like that, like that pop up in the list. And I've played against blinding light with those lists quite a lot. And there are holes to them. One being that one reason I don't like good armies too much is something like blinding light, unless you bring Kurt in, you have to sink a whole bunch of points to this one thing. So it's kind of, and that's why I don't think it's essential because sometimes you can as an opponent work around it or make it mitigate it. Um, especially with scenarios
0: and so, but I think it's very good to have. Okay. And what do you think?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm just going to, so I think um, evil shooting is, is very prevalent as we have discussed, which means that good armies have to have some method of dealing with shooting. And I think there's three main, methods well i guess technically four but three main methods that people will use to counteract the shooting um there is the i will just take more bows and outshoot them approach um which is used by um shooting spam lists like theodrid's guard helm's guard um what other lists do this uh some fiefdom's lists um, do that a lot, where they just take a bunch of blackroot fail archers. Um, if people try to spam elves, they'll do that same thing. Um, there's of course, then there is of course the blinding light approach, which is obviously what we are mainly discussing here. Um, which is, I think, the most, uh, I think the the easiest to. I'd say the most effective and the the easiest to slap on any list, um, because all you need to do is figure out some sort of alliance or something like that, or just take a model with this certain spell, and then there's your shooting resistance. And then the third one is um, some alternative method of shooting resistance that either being extremely high mobility or extremely high defense. which you'll see in a lot of other cases.
0: Or in... extremely high numbers, I think, is the other way to do it.
2: Yes, or extremely high numbers. Those three things, so stuff like horde armies like Goblin Town, extremely fast-moving armies. Um,
0: Not very like... prevalent on the good side. That yeah, is I... true. That's you know,
2: hard... Riv- Rivendell Knights, um, though they generally just get shot out anyways because they're on horses. Um, and then stuff like dwarves as well. Uh, can usually weather most shooting other than ballistas, which they hate. Um, and then of course, there's the fourth action, the, the forced option, which the fourth option, the, uh, which is to, of course, take none of those things and then instantly lose to assault upon Helms Deep uh, as you begin the game, which is not something I recommend, but people will take those sorts of lists, um, so to get back to blinding light in my extremely roundabout way of getting there, um, I'd say, uh, I think it's, I'd say it's, I'd say it's very nice to good to have. Um, cause if, if you have an army list that is able to create, um, semi-sufficient counterplay, um, to those sorts of sorts of, uh, shooting style lists, then um, it's not it's not something that you need to bend over backwards to get. But I definitely think that if you're planning on taking on the, the evil list that you're seeing nowadays, it's something you should really consider in your list if you want to do well competitively.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I'd put it in the good to have category. And I think the reason it's in the good to have category as opposed to like the essential to have category is you need to, if you're going to take the blinding light route to solving the shooting problem, you need to build your entire army around that. Because there's only five ways to get it, right? There's the two flavors of Galadriel, Lady of Light, and, um, you know, the the normal one. Uh, there's the two flavors of Gandalf, and then there's Kirdan. And... You know, as you said, Evan, you have to figure out a way to ally that in. And frequently, and and, and none of those models are cheap. And then when you figure out how to al, al- except perhaps Kyrdan, but then once you have to figure out how to ally somebody in, then they're not cheap, even Kirdan. Um And that prevents you from using some of the other techniques we discussed for avoiding shooting. Like, you know, it typically prevents you from having a really large number of models, because you're sinking all of this money into blinding light. Um, so you know that's why. Well, well, well. I think countering shooting is essential to do for a good army. I think that blinding light as a way to do it, it, it is a way to do it, but it's a way that comes with costs that hinder you in other aspects.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, and I think it's. Back in the day, people would just slot it in, but I think like now you have to really weigh those costs. And I think it's hard too, because Evan mentioned it, you can counter the shooting with bad, just like bring more troops, but it's very difficult I find with good. But yeah, for me, a way to counter it is just semi, just to go back to the basics, defense seven and a dwarf ballista. So. So, for me, coming up, uh, to a tournament with Corsairs or Harad or anything like that, uh, the one thing that's just really hard to break through are dwarves. Uh, dwarves and dwarves that come to the 40, 40 model count at a tournament, especially if they have the Ballista.
0: Well, well let's do this, Rainier. All right. You're up next. Um, nominate your aspect of a good list that, uh, that we want to add in.
1: I would say the Dwarf Ballista from Iron
0: Hills. The Iron Hills Dwarf Ballista, all right, fair enough. Mm -hmm. I Um, still
1: think it has a lot. And when we're specifically talking about the recent meta in the US, uh, Assault on Lothlorien, Assault on Helm's Deep, that list is pretty good. You have defense eight guys that you can kind of like not too much bulk out, but like I made 800 lists, you can get 42 of them with a Ballista Dane and two named heroes. And you can also add some crossbows to make it dangerous in that 12 inch range when you come and you, oh, you can't shoot. You can still shoot your ballista it's on a six, but when assault on the flooring comes that 12 inch range, you can get a good volley up against them. So I, I would say the dwarf ballista, even pair it with some Lake town um, or some elves for me, even with the cost, it got more expensive, like a few years ago, still going against it. I'm like, Ooh, like, I'm gonna have to be really creative when I go against this.
0: All right, so, so Rainier's nomination is, is the Iron Hills uh, Ballista. Evan, what's, what's your thought on that? How do you rate that? Mm.
2: Well, I'm sort of struggling to to come up and, and rate this here because I think it's, compared to Blinding Light, which is just like a, a blanket thing um, that you need in your list, um, the Dwarf Ballista is uh, a very, uh, I guess, a very specific uh, specific circumstance in that you're only taking it um, really in Iron Hills. And then maybe if you're doing something funky or creative, you're taking it in Survivors of Lake Town or Threndul's Halls or something like that. Um, and it's definitely, uh, seeing as we had, I'm fairly sure zero dwarf ballistas in the entirety of Nova. Yeah. I don't think I saw a single one. Um, it's definitely underexplored, and I, yeah, I'm I'm not sure um, whether it's it's good anymore um, because after it was after its points cost was nerfed, then people just stopped using it. So it's sort of hard to tell um, whether or not it is actually viable or not. Um, I do remember a specific game that I played against you, Rainier. I think it was a practice game, but I think it it showed off the power of the ballista quite nicely, where it basically just shut down almost all of your Corsairs shooting in that entire game, um, uh, which was able to, to help out my elves and Lake Towners a lot. Um, so I think it definitely still has the potential I think another problem it has is it's Keep just Keep talking useless. for a minute. I
0: need to go get a rule book. I'll be right back.
2: Okay. So uh, in the effort to uh, continue to stall, um, I, th- I think it uh, suffers from uh, assault upon Lothlórien as well. Because Rainier, I don't know how much you've read into that legendary legion. Um, but one of its special rules that makes it so dangerous, and this is for for obviously for listeners as well, is um, that 12 inch, um, that 12 inch dark of night special rule, which means that your ballista will only be hitting on sixes throughout the entirety of the game. And because it's got a minimum range of 12 inches, it will never be able to hit on anything that's not sixes. Um, which will make it, I'd say, especially weak against that sort of list. Um,
0: Let me pause you there for a second because I had that same initial thought and then as we continued discussing it, what I began to wonder is um, whether or not that 12 inch, uh, you know, basically the the 12 inch you can't shoot unless you need a six is measured from the ballista or the guy that's spotting for the ballista. Because remember the ballista is one of those volley fire ones where somebody can be um yeah you know, it, it doesn't need to be the ballista itself that has light of sight
2: okay good um, question that's interesting that's actually a list of shoes
0: so that's that's why i was going to get the rule book because i wanted to look yeah. up the cover of darkness rule to see yeah because i was
1: thinking i was thinking I'll roll the dice, and it wouldn't do good against uh, the Assault on Lothlorien, but I think it would really shut down the Assault on Helm's Deep or the Corsairs or the Harad or stuff like that.
2: Yeah, assault upon Helm's Deep would be quite an interesting matchup um, because on one hand, obviously, they've got their own ballistas, which if they're able to to break through your own ballista line, which I think they do on, is it a four-up?
0: Yeah, I think it's engines
2: a, to get I, through the, the thing. Now,
0: now we need another book. Do you have the uh, Armies of the Hobbit book next to you, Evan?
2: Uh, maybe. Um, Defense of the North, Warren Rohan, Armies of the Hobbit. You are in luck.
0: All right. So I, I've got the assault on the list, so we can talk about that special rule. You've yeah. got. All right. Welcome so, to
2: wh- everybody's favorite podcast where we look up rules the entire yes. time.
0: Rules Lawyering 101. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so for the first aspect of this discussion, the cover of Darkness rule says that due to reduced vo- uh, visibility, models cannot be targeted by shooting magical powers or special abilities over 12 inches away. Then it says siege engines may still target enemy models more than 12 inches away. However, in this situation, they will only ever hit on a roll of a six. Um, so what does it mean to target um, and, uh, why don't you take a look at, um, so the next question is. Take a look at, take a look at the iron hills, ballista rules. And, uh, does it, does anybody happen to have a, a copy of the actual rules that would have, um, the line of sight rules in them that we could look up? I'll no. dig that up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it would have to be the um the actual the real rule Which I I do not have currently right. next to me.
0: So, so all right. So, Ev, why don't you check and see what it says in the Iron Hills Ballista? Does it just have volley fire? Or is that what it has?
2: It it follows the rules for volley fire. Follows um, the
0: rules for volley fire. So I will need to look those up, uh, and then you can talk about you know using it to burst th- or to to block uh assault ballista shots. Interesting.
2: All right. So looking at the rules for blocking shots. Um so it's actually weaker at blocking siege engine shot. It's not there, Dad. Um it's actually weaker than um at blocking shots than um than the uh than I than I would have expected, because uh, it only succeeds on a five up. Um, so if the if the ballista shot passes through that area, uh, you roll a die, and on a five up, that shooting attack is prevented. Otherwise, it will get through as normal. So I'm I'm not sure about the the matchup against the assault ballistas. Uh, I don't think that. Uh, It would necessarily be incredible.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we now we have um, volley fire. And for volley fire, what it says is models that use volley fire do not make in the way rolls. Oh, hang on a second. This enables it to shoot at a target and its crew at a target it and its crew cannot see so long as any friendly model can see the target and is in range of your Siege engine. All right, so this is not entirely clear, but I think the (laughs) deploying common sense, which the recent FAQ has said is something we can actually deploy. um, (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, so if this, I think this actually, I think, all right, this is something I'm gonna post and we'll see what answers we get on this. But I think the answer may be that this thing can actually, that the Iron Hills Ballista and other volley firing siege engines can shoot as long as somebody, and hit on greater than, or lower than a six, as long as somebody is within 12 inches to call in the fire. Because we all know back in Middle Earth, uh, tactical radios were common, and it was very easy to adjust artillery fire onto a target that the artillerists could not see. So. I mean, I think that's how it would work, but anyway, um, you know, all, all this said, I think this is still kind of a nice to have cause, um, all right. So this is, if this thing can only hit on sixes outside of its minimum range, um, then I think this is kind of a nice to have, but if you hit assault on flow fluorine, it's going to be, you know, irrelevant, uh, yeah this may kind of verge higher up towards the good to have if um, if this is an effective counter to Assault on Lothlorien because you can run random dwarf up within 12 inches of a target and start bombarding it with the Ballista. But, you know, you still have to hit to get the benefits and the benefits tend to go away once the other side's line gets really close to you um, because, you know, then they start charging you and, you know, it's hard not to, i can't remember how that it's been too long since i've used a siege engine so i can't remember how The I, I think you can still drop it on somebody if it can be put on somebody else but then you know, you end up in a situation where you can have it fall so that the blast radius of the uh, of the twirly whirly kills a whole bunch of your dwarves and that's never a good outcome Yeah. but all right any last thoughts on that Rainier, before we move on to Evan's nomination? I don't think so. Okay. All right, Evan. Nominate nominate an aspect of a good list. All right. Well,
2: I'm going to go with something much less specific. Um, And I guess I'll just say right off the bat that I think this is one of the only things that I deem to be essential in a good army um, in this meta. And that is numbers. Um, and specifically what I mean by numbers is back in the old edition um, and in other places uh, like Europe uh, more recently uh, there there was a trend towards big uh, big good heroes and, small army lists averaging maybe about 30 models at 800 points or maybe a bit more than that. Um, and I think nowadays, uh, one, with the uh, the style of scenarios we have uh, being uh, being just so model count focused, and two with the style of list that people are bringing that are able to 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 absolutely shut down, big heroes and then have the uh, opposing army rely entirely on their troops means that at minimum hitting that 40 model count and maximum going even more than that, like a horde, like 50, 60 models, um, seems almost essential um, to be able to deal with the um, the magic and the high maneuvering capabilities that a lot of evil lists have uh, in the the scenario spread that we have now. So I, I honestly think that it's just an essential component of any competitive list. Um, and only in very, very rare circumstances would you see a, um, a elite army in the sense that you have a uh significantly to moderately low model count.
0: Yeah, so as I w- as I was thinking about this beforehand, I was wondering whether this was going to be on the essential side too. Um, and I'm not hundred a hundred convinced, percent convinced it's essential, but I think I would probably rate it as almost essential. Um, and I think if you don't have a high model count, um, you know, some, some model count that's at least approaching, um, a goblin town or a massive, massive goblins, you need something else now to kind of make up for that. And that something else is probably going to be either, you know, it's, it's probably aura of dismay or something like that um that can you know prevent the the hordes from kind of like swamping you um and so yeah i think i think i'm going to put that i'm going to give that an almost essential um and if it's not essential you need a you need a different plan um and yeah, that plan can be their mass shooting so you're just going to kind of whittle down the numbers as they as they close in um Or, you know, a combination of at least significant numbers and, um, you know, something else along the line that's going to cause you to do an awful lot of damage uh, or, you know, something that's just going to kind of keep those numbers at bay, like terror, that's going to make up the the difference there. Yeah,
1: I think I'd rate it around the same, almost essential. I think just pure numbers, let's give an example of like, Laketown guards isn't that dangerous. I think volume is, is, is a good word for it. What you want, you want to have a lot of volume in a certain area. I think that's what makes, like, let's take Corsairs, for example, really dangerous. The volume they have in shooting, it's like a lot of concentrated like strength for shooting, the volume they have in throwing weapons, the volume they have in fight for, um, something like that. Like what Evan was saying, 40 or higher, I agree with that too. Even the dwarf list that I made with the ballista, it wasn't just a dwarf list, it was like 42 models because I think you have to, don't have to, but in my opinion, it's smart to hit above 40 to kind of counter the shooting or the mass horridness of like what evil can bring when it comes to volume because they can bring a lot of volume. So yeah, I'd say essential or almost essential.
0: Yeah, I, the only the only part of that I disagree with is the um, Lake Town Guard not being scary. Would you see sixty Lake Town Guards on the other side of the table at like six hundred points? That can be pretty scary.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Evan, Evan, any more thoughts? Um, I mean, I I think I think it's
2: probably about as close to essential. As you can get in any list, because I don't think in order to win, there is a specific structure that you need to adhere to, Um, which I think is one of the best parts about this game is you don't have to conform to a very specific meta in order to win. Um, You still have some flexibility, but I think numbers is definitely what gets Closest to essential in my eyes, just with the way that the meta is shaping out and the way that the scenarios work out. Um, And before we move on to our next topic, I wanted to, um, of course, do my standard thing of cheating um, and throwing another topic in.
0: Oh, I have another topic, too. I figured we'd do another round.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I will start the next round, um, because why not? Um, And my choice I think would be magic resistance. Um, And I'll go a bit more in depth into that. Um, So the lists we're seeing nowadays, uh, we don't see a lot of uh, black riders, but the Europeans see a ton of black riders. Um, uh, We also didn't see a lot of Mordor and Angmar in our meta, which was a bit surprising, but I definitely intend to continue taking those armies. Um, And in my opinion, they're still incredibly top tier. It's just we didn't see people in the US take advantage of them as much as I would have expected. Um, And then obviously, Assault upon Lothlorien has that extreme magic component as well, where.
0: Although um, that magic. Sure, most
2: of it is buffing magic. I will give you that. But Musgur's entire shtick is shutting down heroes, and other shamans have Transfix as well that they can shut down. so uh, yeah, that's basically uh, my thinking, is, uh, is magic resistance. And I would say,, um, I would say it's bordering nice to have, good to have, but I personally would put it in good to have, um, just because of how crushing it can be to take a big hero like Aragorn. And then go up against a guy with, you know, two 70-point wraiths. And then Aragorn does nothing the entire game and gets completely shut down. Or even worse, which is what I like to do, which is to take a caster plus a, a big monster and then kill Aragorn turn two. And then your opponent's basically lost immediately. Um, so and just to just to finish this out with what magic resistance is either I resistant to magic or fortify spirit is like the obvious thing, but also just not taking huge heroes is a form of magic resistance as well, because you're less punished for those heroes um, getting shut down. Um, for example, if they compel and kill your Hurin, you're much better off than if they compel and kill Aragorn. Um, so having something like that, I think, is probably... I'd say a good to have.
0: Yeah, I, I want to agree with that. The only reason I'm hesitating is, although you, the way you kind of rephrased it, kind of expanded the definition of magic resistance in a way I wasn't really thinking of it, but magic resistance like blinding light, or at least traditional magic resistance like blinding light is one of those things that if you're going to get it, puts severe limitations on your army composition. I mean, magic resistance in the traditional sense, which is like all your figures resist magic. It's you're talking, you you have to be either hobbits or you have to be pure Lothlorien or like pure Ents or I think pure Eagles also gets it if I'm I'm correctly. Or Numenor, um, which doesn't quite get the entire army, but at least gets everybody near your heroes. Um, uh, so there's there's limitations on on who can get it. I agree with you; it is really essential. I think kind of the next class down from kind of that army-wide magic resistance is being able to at least get your big heroes' magic resistance. So that means taking a Glorfindel or taking an Elendil. Or taking somebody who can cast Fortify Spirit, which means either Gandalf the White or figuring out a way to get Gladrill of Light, the Lady of Light, um, back in your list somehow, um, and uh, and that way at least you're, you know you're if you if you're going to take a big hero, you at least know he's not just going to get kind of deleted by a couple of casters with you know transfix or paralyzed or or something like that um and i think having having at least that level if you're going to take big heroes is essential um well or or at least it's between good and essential you need some sort of answer if you're going to take big heroes because i think you're right i think you know aragorn aragorn in the current meta is not really that competitive anymore because he's 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 once again kind of been too easy to gotten too easy to check with the new magic that's out there.
2: His girlfriend is no longer around. So he's yeah. much more difficult to yeah, take it's
0: much more difficult. Um, You know, the, the other aspect of what you said, which is, which is not really magic resistance, but it's kind of building your lists with crippling magic in mind. I, and
2: I, I mean, I should probably rephrase what I mean by magic resistance, which is, some way to deal with or blunt the effects of magic, as to make them make it so if you draw against a magic caster, you are not significantly disadvantaged simply by their presence.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a fair and that's a fair strategy. And yeah, this is kind of like the leader's the leader strategy parallel to I'm going to have a lot of bodies and just so that I can just absorb the shooting on the way in. And that's that. I'm not gonna have I'm not gonna have a 200 and something point hero that's going to get transfixed off the board. I'm going to instead have uh, you know two or three 80 to 100 point heroes where you have to work on taking it down sequentially. And while you're taking down one of them, the other two hopefully will be able to hack their way toward into your casters and prevent you from doing it. I think that's a yeah, that's a that's another strategy. Fair enough. Yeah, I think
1: so too. And I think I think like one of those resistance magic <clears throat> type things also includes someone like Elendil or Gorfindle, just yeah. something just yeah.
0: uh, The heavy hitting hero that comes with fortify spirit built in so that he's a hard target when it comes to magic. Agreed. Yeah. And that um, would
1: for for me, uh I was gonna choose the same thing actually. Something that's like that, magic resistant in the sense that it doesn't really bother them, you know. Like, like it's not going to be a handicap for them. Um, they can just make it through. And I would even say, like, for the shooting to something like that, to where again, same conversation. You have like a lot of bodies or magic resistance of some way to just don't do it. Like, like some of a lot of the things back in the day I used to see people list build against each other. List build. Oh, this can beat this. No, now this can beat that. Now this can beat that. I think a lot of good players now are just saying, I'm not even gonna play with that. Like, let's just like make what you have not cause too much damage in the, round, in, in, in the game. It's gonna cause damage, but let's just negate it. Maybe I won't have any mega heroes. So you're not gonna like shut down anything. You can't transfix my whole army. Maybe I'm gonna have a horde. So you're shooting, you're not gonna like break me before like our battles even, our battle lines even meet stuff like that. So I think that's where like we're all kind of shifting towards it doesn't have to counter it. it just has to slowly make it passive.
0: Yeah um, All right, so let me throw out my my second theory here and that's high fight value and including your and feel free to include in your discussion what you think I mean by a high fight value because I understand there would be different meanings of this. So, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put out a pro or con on this one way or the other. I'm gonna throw this out to you guys and then give my thoughts afterwards. High fight value, Rainier, Your thoughts? High fight value um,
1: against shooting. It's good because once battle lines hit, typically a horde shooting army does not have high fight value. Um, against something like a assault on Lothlorien, it's good because then like. These big monsters or something that hits you aren't gonna win against typical elves or something like that. But I think it's high fight value is good. Um I think what's more important is the volume of high fight value. I take that over like maybe a small army of fight five. I'd prefer like a 50 army with 50 models at fight four. So I don't know where you're interpreting it, uh, Matt, but I would interpret it back to the volume. I want a volume of height fight value.
0: Okay, Evan.
2: Well, I mean, there's two interpretations of this, I think. I think there's high fight value and then there's higher fight value. Um, With higher fight value, of course, um, is always something that one would desire. Um, The question is where to to cut off that particular um, uh, particular statement, um, but if we're interpreting simply off of high fight value, which I would say um, in order, the most optimal high fight value would be fight five against evil, and there's a couple of reasons for that, uh, one of which is um, two of the, the most powerful armies, um, those being uh Uruk-hai and Corsairs, are Fight 4, Half Trolls are Fight 5, you know, Giant Spiders are Fight 4, and then basically every evil hero um, is also Fight 5, which is obviously a huge deal if you're able to get your Fight 5 models into those heroes, because sometimes those heroes will just lose, and then you get a lot of progress off of that. so I'd say having access to high fight value ma- models is very, very important. Um, but I think there's also merit to, to having just a good enough fight value. Um, and an interpretation of this could be something like Survivors of Lake Town, which generally fight three is not overly optimal but against something like uh, Assault Upon Lothlorien, um, having fight three with the 12 inch banner is good enough and uh, you'll get a lot of progress off of that. Um, But I'd say I would put having at least a sprinkling of fight five models in your army, if not more in in the good category because there's so many shenanigans with evil that rely on fight five models that having a, the ability to counter that is quite important.
0: Yeah, so I, and, and that's, I think the critical distinction is, do I go with an army that's entirely fight four, or do I go with an army that's largely fight three with a or perhaps even lower if you're taking hobbits or something like that? With a smattering of like fight five elves or even fight six elves with spears to stand behind them in certain critical places, because I think it, the the problem the problem these days with the the kind of old style good army uh, that was like entirely fight four entirely fight five, five is it's just it just isn't big enough as far as number of figures go. It's too expensive. Um, and, you know, entirely fight five is great if you're gonna run into Urukai and be entirely fight four. But if you're gonna run into something, you know, that's a horde of fight two, um, it's it's really, it's you priced yourself out of the market. Whereas, you know, if I get a bunch of fight three or some fight two, and then I've got maybe like six or eight guys with fight five spears that can kind of stand behind the critical places that may be the way to go. And I think that's why you're seeing, at least in the Articon meta, a whole bunch of elves and friends' armies is because they're taking the elves to get the high fight value, and then they're and then they're just taking cheap bodies to kind of stand in front of the elves and protect the flanks of the elves. And um, I think that is... I, th- I think that's the only way you can square the um, volume versus... High fight value circle is to say, um, I got a bunch of bodies, and then, you know, I got a few elves, and I'll apply elves where elves are necessary to win the game. I think that's, that's my thought on that. So Rainier, you got one last uh, one last thought here as far as something for for a good army, something for
1: a good army. I don't think it's essential, but it's there. Um, I would say monsters. Uh, and what I mean by monsters, I mean like a model that just cannot be stopped. Uh, an example of that would be Quahir, um, Ellen Deal. Who else? Probably Dane Ironfoot on pig and probably Thrandel on elk. So they're really expensive. I don't think they're essential, but I think they're good takes because you can't quickly dehorse them. And you can't really shut them down with magic unless you have a lot of magic. So for me, that's just something out there. When I play against them, I'm kind of like more alert because my soft stuff can't really take them. And I have to just mitigate how much damage they have because you really have to. Those are, one, those are some of the models that you really have to take high stacked magic or high stacked, like just something heavy to stop them. So that's why I put them there. I'd say they're there, not essential, but they're there.
0: Ev?
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of the reason why you take good in the first place, um, because there are very few evil models that um, fit that role that aren't utterly absurdly expensive. Um, obviously, the the first evil monsters, not in the sense that they are actually monster models, but um, this, those sort of unstoppable forces that can do insane amounts of damage. Um, are you know your Saurons and your Balrogs, and then they're half your army? Um, whereas Guahirs and Elendils and such are much, much cheaper. So, the only evil model I can find that fits that role really is Gulivar. Um, and then, the, and of course, there's a reason why Gulivar is so good. Um, and yeah, but if you take good, you have insane access to these sorts of models. Um, yeah, your Lendils, your Guahirs, and whatnot. So I think being able to have that sort of that forcing piece that can put your opponent on the back foot and can really lay down the hurt while your, uh, while your high-quality troops' grindy army goes in and uh, plays the attrition war uh, sure. is extremely useful. So I, I'd put that in a, a good-to-have sort of category as well
0: yeah I guess the only the only caution i I'd, I'd say is, if you're going to do that at least at most point, you know, at, at most tournament points levels, this is less true when you get up to a thousand. if you're going to do that, you probably can't have more than one of those guys and still have enough models to kind of remain in the game against uh, evil swarm armies. And if you're going to have only one of them, that has to be a model that can't be shut down easily with magic so that you know a quarter of your army list points wise isn't um taken off the board by you know a 70 point budget ring ringwraith um, and that leaves a small number of folks who can do that unless you have some sort of way to get fortified spirit in I mean, Glorfindel, obviously, he's one of the reasons you see him so often is because he's one of the guys, he's probably the most cost-effective guy that fits this bill. Alendel's another one. He's a little pricier. way um, here. So Gwei here does not come with a resistance to magic unless you're in some sort of pure list. But at least way here is not quite as expensive so that, you know, you can and and not only is it not quite as expensive but is very difficult to kill so that if here gets transfixed you know oh well maybe next time it's not it, it's very hard to kind of transfix and then flash kill a here just because they're tough so i think Guayhir is is still on that list so um i guess that's 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 my only caution so i agree all somewhere between a nice to have and a good to have so All right. So, so those are some thoughts. Those are some ideas of components of good armies that you can put out there that I think can kind of exist in um, uh, the current meta. So what we each did is we each came up with a list that probably incorporates some or all of these things that we just discussed that we think would be competitive in the current meta that, you know, people at least may not be thinking about now. Um, Why don't I start with one? And I will, I will say, given, given the number of times I've played against Assault on Lothlorien recently, um, I built this specifically with countering Assault on Lothlorien in mind. Um, so so here's, here's my list. Um, Warband number one, Arvidui, Last King of Arnor. Uh, with him are one warrior of Arnor with a banner. Fourteen, Warriors of Arnor with the usual spear shield. Warband two, Malbeth the Seer with him is a second Warrior of Arnor with Banner and 11 Warriors of Arnor with uh, spear and shield. Uh, Warband number three, Captain of Arnor. Three Hobbit Archers, nine Warriors of Arnor. Warband number four, Captain of Arnor with three Hobbit Archers and nine Warriors of Arnor. So you come up with six bows, uh, but that's obviously not the selling point. The selling point is the 55 models, um, all of whom are fight six, which is really kind of the magic defense that you want to have against um, uh, Sultan Lothlorien. Well, I, not all of them. The hobbits aren't obviously, and the, uh, um, the guys with the banners aren't, but most of them are fight six um defense defense six i'm sorry not yeah defense six. six oh um, the whole, what was
2: that? yeah no yeah fight the six warriors, eight uh, yeah so we've no. got eight point models that are uh defense six fight six uh fight yeah, six yeah they're balanced. unstoppable No, they're fight yeah
0: they're fight four. so they're going to be a higher fight value than the prowlers um and at least they'll be able to tie the spiders when not enraged are defense six which makes them um you know fairly tough to wound and there are enough bodies in this list so that you should be able to go on in a shield wall one for one against the goblins um so that the goblins are not getting that magical plus one to wound when they win uh and um they're probably not going to win and they're probably going to be kind of outkilled by these guys and that's the reason i threw in the second banner too is so that you can get you know, a good 14 inches of banner coverage all across the line. And you've also got Malbeth who can just kind of keep guys alive if they happen to lose the uh, the fight role. And you should have enough bodies that you can just surround Arvadui to keep spiders and stuff away from him and just use his magical, I don't care about courage, courage to go after people. Um, you know, downsides against this list are um against kind of more conventional like other good armies this list isn't going to be nearly as good because it just doesn't have it doesn't have the high character hitting power to take on like um an elendil or even like a bolg or an azog or something like that you just you have to just kind of drown you, you have to adopt goblin tactics and just kind of drown that opposing army in bodies and hope that you can kill all the warriors before azog can kind of hack his way through um and I think the other problem this list would have is at least in certain terrain types is against the black riders where basically you would have to just kind of try to hide Arvidui, Um because otherwise he'll get black darted to death and you'll lose your ability to auto charge. As long as you can kind of hide Arvadui in this list though, um, I think this, this list probably has a decent shot against the black riders because it's just got enough bodies that will ignore courage tests regardless of whether they're minus three. Uh, to charge in and take the writers down so that's my thoughts what are, what are the other people's thoughts on this i like it um
1: yeah i like it a lot as a counter to that army specifically but i do agree with you to some points like other things could could do some damage against it, it it's just such a interesting game because you typically go to a five or six game tournament and you just have no idea what you're going to go against <laughs> that's the beauty of it but i like it i like the um horde aspect to it while retaining fight four and defense six uh i actually played against this in nashville when i played in the, hood. the my opponent just didn't get lucky because it was a maelstrom battle and i kind of like had my camels right on the army with my half trolls like right off the bat but I think that said, this this is a really good list, especially for the scenarios that are in play now. You're going to have this army spread all across the battlefield, and that fight for defense six just basically everywhere,
0: and the shooting okay. to the ring. So, and as long I as like, you can keep Arvidui along, you don't care about courage anymore. Or exactly. Arvidui alive. Sorry.
1: So it's it's pretty good, um, in that aspect, though it is slow to an extent.
0: At least you also, got two captains
1: that's true. So are the captains fight four or five?
0: Uh, they're fight five. Yeah. That's a really good take too. Yep. Yeah. But you got, you do have, you know, four points of March there if you want it. Mm-hmm. I like it.
2: I, I mean, I don't have much to say about this army list other than my God, is it boring? Um, <laughs> uh, I would, I would sooner consume sandpaper than play this army at any tournament, but, uh, I definitely have a very different play style than what this army is uh, designed to accommodate. Um, I think I think it could definitely have some interesting matchups, especially against Assault upon Lothlorien. Um, but uh, I think this is a six hundred and fifty army, right?
0: This is seven hundred.
2: Uh, no, seven hundred. Yep. Yeah, um, but yep. I think. I think, it's, I think part of why Arnor works so well is it works well at low points at, um, I'd say, 600 maximum, 500, 600, where you can take Arvidui and Malbeth, Captain, and then get, like, 40 guys, and then that's your army. Um, and that's extremely strong. But I think it starts to weaken once you get to 700 because it's just so one-dimensional, and your opponents are able to get... Uh, more effective and more forcing pieces that you cannot properly handle. Um, like if a if you see a Gulivar across the board with this list, um, you might as well shake the hand immediately because Gulivar will munch through the entirety of the army and there's absolutely nothing you can do. Um, in, in the same sense, what Rainier was just talking about with those those good monsters, like if you play against any of them, you are just going to watch as four of your models disappear every single turn as that hero just chops them to it chops them into itty bitty bits. And Malbeth can ha- sort of help prevent that, but really not that much. Yeah, it, it is one of those. I agree
1: with you, Evan, because I always wanted to collect this actually. Because the paint, I feel like you can paint them however you want. There's a lot of creativity there. But after playing them at an 800 point tournament with Mahood, I was like, I'm having a little too much fun playing against them.
0: (laughs) I don't don't think that. Yeah. I I think all of your things, 700 is probably about the top where you can kind of pull this off. It's still good. With that said, above this level i think what can keep this competitive is if you ally in a a Glorfindel and some elves and a kirdan um and you lose you lose the courage buff from Arvadui, but in the end you get you know the courage buff from kirdan and his uh aura of uh, command so that solves that problem um you start to get you you can get a, a A count, you know, a hitty counter hero that uh, is hard to shut down with magic. Um, And, you know, you can get blinding light to protect you from shooting and a bunch of other things. I think that's really where you need to take this list if you get above 700. 700, it's 700. It's if you add in Glorifindil and Curidan, it's too light on numbers for it to be effective. I think once you get up to 800, you can pull it off. Yeah, the fight five
1: sprinkled all around it will stop. Those uh, cheapish evil heroes from just rogue combating through it like butter. Sure. So I I like that. I like
2: that a lot. Yeah, I I feel like this this list right now strikes me as a list where um, if I ever go up against it, I'm just going to be ecstatic because all of my things will work. (laughs) Every trick that I have, except for like courage shenanigans will right. work against this list and you will have to bend over backwards to attempt to counter it.
0: Um, you know, on the other hand, uh, this list, if you take it against assault on Lothlorien, most of their tricks won't work against this list because their tricks depend on outnumbering and shooting before you can close and kind of get to, to grips with them. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, this list is like, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll see you one goblin. I'll raise you a warrior of Arnor. Mm-hmm.
2: And then you play against them and Reconnoiter and then they quarter themselves, run two bats off the board and win.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Although this, this does have a bunch of captains and a bunch of guys. So um, you can do, you can, I think you got you got some answers to that too. But yeah. All right. All right, shall I go next? Yeah, go next.
1: Okay, mine's very simple. I'm just going back to the basics. Dwarves. So um, I have the Iron Hill Dwarves. My first warband is Dane Ironfoot on his war pig. Six Iron Hill Dwarves with shield, eight Iron Hill Dwarves with shield and spear, and two crossbow Iron Hill Dwarves. Second warband is Dory. He has five iron nail warriors with shield and five with spear and shield. Third warband is Nori. He has two with shield, four with spear and shield, and two with crossbow. And the last warband is going to be the Dwarf Ballista. So I just wanted to keep it simple. One reason is because I didn't really have time to write it, but also (laughs) I I just think defense seven or defense eight over 40 models does really well against uh the likes of crossbows or ballistas or even sometimes magic and monsters so that's why i put it it's 42 models 10 might um the two dwarves outside of dane are both three attacks and i believe they're both weapon masters so they go burly um dane Ironfoot's a beast uh you also have the The ballista, I really like the idea of the ballista, this one, or a Kazakh spam with defense seven, having the other ballista in the Kazakh army, just because it forces your opponent to kind of take the initiative. They can't just sit back and shoot or sit back and wait to outmaneuver you. The one or two models, maybe three models or a monster threat that you can kill with one ballista shot really threatens a lot of people. And to be honest, it spooks them as well. So That's why I put that in the list. Um, once you hit the battle lines, it's kind of hard, even with what's strength five against d8. Do you kill it on a six or
0: yeah, you kill it on a six?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, even that, when it comes to the hood or half trolls, you're still only rolling a six to wound them. Um, yeah, it's just like a big tin man kind of going, but also the tin man has a giant like spear that's thrown at you each turn. So, how, how
0: many figures? 42. 42 and how many points was this this was 800 800 um and remind me what 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 are what are dory's special abilities let
2: me dory see has like 50 bajillion attacks if i remember correct no dory sorry dory is the guy that has so he's 75 points uh three attacks fight five weapon master
0: Gotcha. Um, with
2: a two-handed mace. Um, No strike is his big thing. Um, That makes him not an auto-include in every list.
0: Right. And Uh, then...
2: Two might. Nori is kind of the same,
1: 500 points more, two might still rope strike he has, but he's also a weapon master. And he can reroll dice with a duel and reroll dice when making strikes. So he's got weapon synergy. So they're both kind of like... They're there. I I think like they're kind of semi-weak, weaker versions of someone like Thorn or Dwalin or even uh, Glowin to an extent. But for 75, 80 points, it kind of allowed me to hoard out more of the dwarves. And I think they'd make a threat because with the crossbow, uh, I mean the, what is it called, the Ballista? Your opponent's gonna have to come to you and they're gonna have Dane, both of them, and a whole ton of Iron Hills, Not the best, I think, but considering against the current meta when we're building against mass evil shooting and the likes, I think it can kind of like hold its ground.
2: I'm, I'm interested, Rainier, in how you managed to get 42 models out of this because I just pulled this up in my software and the absolute maximum models I can get, and this is without a banner, is 38 models. I um, dropped spears. Sorry, can you say that again? I dropped a lot of spears.
0: Yeah, he has a he has a bunch of iron hill d- dwarves that don't have spears.
2: Oh no, I have a 50 50 split of those. Yeah. Um I'm just so Dane's on a bore, yes? Let mm-hmm. I me mean, do, do you I have have a banner? I don't have a banner. You do not. Okay. Um is your ballista 125 points? Uh-oh, there you go. Ding ding ding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, I got caught by the FAQ.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I it,
0: it did seem to be, it did seem to be fairly buff numbers-wise for Iron Hills. Okay, if that's the case, I'd go maybe what'd you say max I could get in?
2: Like 38? Yeah, 38, I think, is reasonably what you can get. Not um, my, I'll, go, I'll go 38 or potentially switch Dane for Thorin. I'm not sure about that one because you lose the auto pass courage tests.
0: You also lose uh-huh. a march. That's true. Yeah. How about this? And,
2: an- and Dane. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You just build a list for me, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I still like the defense seven and defense eight. Um, of dwarves, and I think it's very, I don't know, sometimes to counter, in my opinion, to counter these like mega things, you just gotta go back to simplicity. And for me, that's just a lot of tin men or a horde. We can't choose evil armies. Typically, I go to simplicity with evil armies, just bring a whole bunch of one thing, go with volume instead of like spread out all over the place with heavy hitters. But yeah, I think just simplicity.
0: So, well, actually, hang on a second. So Iron Hills Ballista. Can you get the Dwarven hero? Boy, I haven't done one of these lists in a long time. Can um, you get so the dwarven hero? I assume
2: his- so I move I was moving off of the assumption that Rainier was doing a yellow alliance between Iron Hills and Erebor Reclaimed, where mm-hmm. he had Dane and a Ballista in one army and then um Dory and Nori in the other. Uh, and I'm fairly sure double checking. Oh wait, hold on. This might be illegal, I see. Okay, so they're not part of the same Dory, army. Dory and Nori are both heroes of fortitude, so that would not work, anyways. Yeah, okay, I thought I would have sworn they were I, heroes of valor, but they are not.
0: So, I, so I, one I, other I, way to do this would be, cool. yeah, would be Dane a bunch of um, it would be kind of a variant of you know, kind of what we were talking about with a smattering of high fight values. So you have Dane, you have a bunch of Iron Hills guys with spears. You have an Iron Hills ballista, and then you've got um, a bunch of Lake Town of cheap Lake Town bodies to kind of stand either in front of them or behind them with spears.
1: You could do that with the Master of Lake Town, maybe.
0: Um, I, I mean, you could. I don't think you could use Master of Lake Town because I don't think they're green with um, uh, Iron Hills, but the survivors are. Um. And that might you know kind of be a way to increase your your body count kind of at the expense of hitters, unless you want to throw Bard in there, but Bard and Dane get pretty expensive okay. together. But all right, well, I mean, so this is I guess a good illustration of kind of the perils of the of the good lists, right? Where you want to kind of check all these boxes, but when you when you check all the boxes. You realize you, you know, you end up having this alliance that doesn't work, or you don't have, you know, the the right hero of valor, um, and it doesn't work, um, and uh, you know, all of those problems. So it is right? quite
1: a punch because again, like typically, I feel like to counter evil, you just counter it with something else that's evil.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that's, that's been the American answer so far is I'll see your evil yeah. army and I'll raise you an evil army. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. you, the American meta is kind of like, if you have to bring good, it's kind of like where you send America playing a fight where there are no rules, right? Someone's going to bring a gun. We'll bring a machete. We'll just keep going big, 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 big. So good kind of boxes us into an extent. I don't know with other evil players that I've talked to it just feels
2: restricting, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Evan, what's your, what's your theory here?
2: All right. So my theory um, starts with Elendil, High King of Numenor on a horse, which is always a fun theory to start with. Um, And in his warband, he's got uh, six guys with bows and spears, um, seven guys with shields and then four guys with spears. Um, And then in my second warband, I have a Captain of Numenor with Lance and Horse, uh, just chilling on his own, having a good time. Uh, And then in my third warband, I have Galadriel from Lothlorien, and she has uh, two Galadriel knights with elf bows and shields, uh, one wood elf warrior with elf bow, spear, and banner, um, a wood elf sentinel, Uh, two wood elf warriors with elf bows and uh, elf spears, Uh, nine galadrum warriors with shields, and then three guards of the Galadrim court. So uh, in total, the army has uh, 38 models, um, 12 bows and uh, eight might points.
0: How many points did you say this was?
2: This is 800 points. 800 points.
0: Right, and then it hits a hundred goblins,
2: and then Alendil kills all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a big ask even for That'll <laughs> oh, <he'll> be fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll be doing yeah. just fine, unless he hits the Goblin King in a ring. Um, or I'm sorry. Yeah, well, the to,
2: to be ring. fair, Rainier's army would be even worse. I'd argue against that's a hundred goblins. That's a fair point. Although
0: I, I do or, say or this, or equally bad, um, the Iron Hills ballista is actually a surprisingly useful weapon against goblins. Um, having taken an Iron Hills ballista against a bunch of goblins, because it makes it either just it either picks them up and kills them by the handful, or it forces the goblins to really spread out. And when the goblins really spread out, um they're a lot less scary. <laughs> um,
1: Unless they bring the mercenaries, then you're screwed.
0: That's true. I <laughs> mean, you just, you got to keep the ballista like far away from terrain. Um, mm. And then you, you need to, you need to keep back kind of a, enough guys to protect it from random folks uh, running on from the, um, from the scribe. Yeah. Um, unless you can find somebody to get line of sight on the scribe and delete it early with the ballista. But anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point. I, I mean, look, this is a, this is a fair way to build a list. You know, the only problem that you, I mean, this is a list that checks the, I've got the big hitter who's protected from magic box and I've got blinding light box um, at the expense of the like large numbers of guys box. Um, which is kind of the conundrum for, for good, right? That you know, you can check like two out of these three essential requirements, but not the third. Um, which is always the problem. Because I mean, I, I agree with you. You can if you want to get the numbers you need to at least like stay in the game against the goblin towns of the world, you need to get rid of either a lendel or gladriel lady of the light, and then you created a different problem. So Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that makes sense.
2: Well, it's not Lady of Light, it's the other Galadriel. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Galadriel. That, Galadriel or, that, um... that
2: exacerbates the point, I think. Um, yeah, so there... Obviously, the main downside of this list to uh, what I would consider a standard last alliance list is it doesn't have Curedan, um, which has drawbacks and benefits. Obviously, the biggest drawback being... Or of dismay, um, which is quite useful against those goblin town type lists. Um, obviously, less so against Assault upon Lothlorian because they just have a bunch of shamans that make them auto pass courage, anyways. Um, but um, Gladriel does offer, um, against anything but goblin town, um, I'd say much more favorable activity because the the one downside of or of dismay against hordes is that it takes forever because your opponent is going to be rolling 50 bajillion courage tests which means often you won't but be you able to make enough progress against the horde. yes i have a great time when i'm just sitting on my phone uh waiting for my opponent to pass <laughs> 20 <laughs> waiting tests. for your
0: opponent to roll an eight or higher yeah
2: but um It definitely speeds the game up. Um, But uh, the one, if Galadriel gets hit by a Ballista Bolt, she's not dead, which, uh, as uh, some people may know, uh, is what lost me uh, game three on top table at the last Nova, because round one, Kirdan was hit by a Ballista Bolt, failed his fate roll, and then I got absolutely torn to shreds by Assault Upon Helm's Deep, um, which... That is not the case with Galadriel. She just fades it off and then waddles around afterwards and is completely fine. Yeah. Um, and Elendil also provides that sort of unstoppable force um, that um, unless you have, unless you get very lucky with a black dart on his horse, um, he's basically not going to lose his horse, sort of kill four models a turn, run into one. some of your weaker heroes, kill them, and then Galadriel gets a transfixer or compel off on a strong hero, and then that hero's dead. And then look at Elendil, he's just murdered half your army. Um, So it's definitely a tough list because a lot of the proactivity of it relies on Elendil. Um, So it's basically a game of whether or not your opponent can mitigate a lendil but um, i i think i mean definitely in some scenarios it will struggle against goblin town but 38 models isn't small
0: no, it's not it's, a large it's, army it's, an, it's, it's 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 you know either average size or maybe just a hair below average at 800 points
2: yeah it's and to be fair Just again, a personal play style thing with me. I don't like to take more models than this generally, just because um, I feel like (laughs) they almost get in the way of my heroes. um, And I like to take big, strong heroes. Um, So I think this is probably what I would do with good in order to try and stay afloat in this sort of meta. But even then, I would much rather take something like my Mordor army or my Angmar army and I would like my chances of winning the tournament, I'd say almost better.
0: You know, I think my biggest objection to this list is theme, because as we all know, Elendil and Galadriel never fought together.
2: That's true. Which, they is, never probably, did.
0: which is probably a good transition to our Rings of Power <laughs> recap.
2: I, I can say that this army is completely themy.
0: fair enough yeah um okay so uh all right so this is the time when we usually issue the spoiler alert um we're now going to talk about rings of power episode five and just throw our thoughts out about that um where uh you know contrary to all theme um well okay so spoiler alert if you haven't listened if you haven't watched episode five uh turn us off now if you have watched episode five or you just don't care, episode five is the one where Gladriel and Elendil um, sail off to war together. So, uh, so, um, yeah. So I guess I'll leave the discussion saying that the theory that I espoused last time that Hal Brad is uh, really sour man has, has, has taken a torpedo... Oh. That, that was impressive,
2: Dad, because oh, you Sauron, just got both Halbrand's name Hal Brand, and Sauron's. Halbrand
0: was really Sauron. There we go. Um, sorry, folks, it's been a long. time. Oh, did
1: you... Ooh, I'm up, y'all.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that was that was the theory I was espousing last time, and that's that's taken a significant torpedo hit in Episode Five, and uh, that boat is is listing heavily to port. Um, it, it hasn't sunk yet, but I think it uh, may well be heading uh, in that direction because, as we know, Halbrand, contrary to what it looked like at the end of Episode 4, is actually sailing back to Middle-earth um, with Elentril and Galadriel and, I guess, the Queen Regent. Um, and uh, um, is not staying behind in Numenor, as I thought he was going to, to whisper uh, sweet nothings, and please invade Valinor or, or into Chancellor farazon's ear. Um, so, some something else is uh, is afoot there. So, I,
1: I think Halbrand is the Witch King. Mm. He's a king of men. He's a king of men, and the Witch King has a deep hatred for Numenor and all their descendants. And I think as is, he got a little like sass from the Numenorians, and I think they're going to screw him over again, and he's going to eventually turn maybe episode or maybe season three or four or five into the Witch King. That's my theory.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that that's one I hadn't heard. I mean, the other one that we've heard floated is um, he's the King of the Dead. I could see that too. That that's interesting. I could see that. Um, but uh, yeah, the which who Halbrand is 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 definitely the real Evan. Who do you think Halbrand is?
2: Mm, I think he's a friend.
0: He's a friend. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's just random guy that's just gonna die yeah. heroically during. Yeah, the...
2: He's he's a, he's a friend. Okay, he, he's a friend. Okay. Now. I think, I think the Numenoreans, the Numenorians thought Sauron was a friend. So I'm not sure uh, how well that logic holds up, but yeah. he's a friend.
1: I think he's a friend right now, but he's not going to be a th- friend in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think also because they're playing along with Aragorn's theme from The Lord of the Rings. But I think they're going to break it. And I think Gladriel so not Gladriel in a way. you know, She's not wise. She's really like... Uh, Driven, I think her pushing Halbrand or whatever his name is, and then him turning evil is gonna like switch her off in a way to not have so much faith in stuff, and that's when it's gonna like arc to where she is in the third age. But that's just it, my. Th-
0: you know, it, it it's funny you know, that you 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 talk about the you know the Aragorn theme with him, and it's that theme is so strong that uh, some people on the internet have have dubbed him Aquagorn. Which I thought was amusing, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but 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 I, but yeah. I, I think on
1: purpose because they want us to think he's going to be the Aragorn that comes and like relieves the Southlands or whatever. We all know the Southlands is Mordor, and we all know that they eventually will serve Sauron. So I think it's going to go along with that, and it's going to break.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I have trouble seeing a way that Halbrand's arc ends in a good way. Just given yeah. the fact that, you know, <laughs> we never we never hear about him again in Tolkien. <laughs> you know? Um so and and you you think if it ended if it all had a heroic finish, Tokian would have mentioned him at some point. I don't know. I think this bodes ill.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of creativity though, with a lot of these characters to kind of I don't know, we have nine ring race, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm there's a lot of a lot of area there
0: well you know there's there's a how it should have ended for the hobbit movies where um you know the the uh they they go and they attack the necromancer and they're talking about how everything looks bad and he goes well still you know galadriel goes well still I'm not worried because we all show up in the next movie, and then she turns to Eric Radagast and goes, "Except you." <laughs> and you know, Halbrand's that guy, right? You know, we 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 all show up in the next set of movies except you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we, we got to wonder why. Yeah, it's in, it's, interesting. it's interesting, but that my
1: theory: he's a witch king or a ring wreath. Um, what do you guys think of Meteor Man?
0: I, I don't see Gandalf. how, it's a- yeah, I was going to say, I don't see how it's anybody other than Gandalf.
1: I think it has to be, yeah, have the rights to use his name and they're even touching on, who is it? Nor no, th-
0: They have the rights to use his name.
1: Yeah. Okay. But, th- but they're doing it. So like the Harflits are the hobbits, right? Yeah. And they're doing, like his love for the hobbits. Even Gandalf in the fellowship use that phrase, not all who wander are lost nori sang that song from episode five you know yep. all who
2: wonder are
1: lost and it's like it's a little too familiar you know what i mean to where i assume it's Gandalf. off but the real thing though who are these like strange looking eminem like rapper people who just came from the east
0: yeah the the kind of the lizard-like people who showed up how do we know they came from the east by the way you, you may have missed a subtlety that that i or you I, you may have caught a subtlety that i missed they come
1: from the east because uh the harfoot's were in rovanian right
0: mm-hmm.
1: So they're closer to ruin that's the part of the story which was still in rovanian i don't they they followed her along what becomes the dead marshes and stuff but yeah. i think from the east because a lot of their imagery is very like interesting like like what what is it i paused to look at some of the pictures of them and like on their staffs there's like different I think I saw skulls or different interesting things that just looks, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm, I got to pay some more attention to him in our second watch. We haven't done our second watch yet. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, that may be. So so look, all right, It if the theory that medi- the guy that came down in the meteor is Gandalf, that means if they're staying true to the story that he's not alone. Um, and somewhere running around out there is Radagast, Saruman, and two other blue wizards who are yet to be named. Um, and... But no, now, didn't they come in the
1: third age, though?
0: Yeah, so they did. Um, but the the producers have said um, that we're, we're cramming all... The producers have basically said, don't read too much into this from the timeline because we're taking a whole bunch of stuff and we're cramming it together. So, um, you, yes. can, you can,
1: in some places. And I wonder if it's like kind of annoying
0: some fans. Oh, uh, yes. It's, it's annoying some fans to no end, but you know, that's they, my will, little thing they, that's they will have to, they will have to adapt, overcome and, and move on. Um, yeah.
1: I'm just interested in the fact that like in the books, Numenor basically had like an empire on the Southern coast of Middle Earth and everything. And now it just seems like they're sending two ships. Three. With, three there, were, no, f-
0: so. there were five, two burned. And for some that, reason- somebody... in the middle... Yeah,
2: okay. also like-
1: no but but i think the three ships with the queen regent and i think it's what 300 soldiers yeah it's a little i think, I don't think it's a little light <laughs> in the yeah. least because, i don't know númenor was like grand and where they're going with Farazon and like i i don't know i don't want spoilers from the books but like where that's going at that time in Numenor in history, they were like super strong and mighty enough to be like, we can take on like the Valinor, or like in like a hundred years, we can take on the Valinor. So I'm not seeing, yeah. oh, I'm like a nerd for like the Harad and Umber and stuff like that. So I just want to see that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wonder how much they're going to do. Right. Cause yeah, it, look, it's, it's five seasons of 10 episodes each. So it's, you know, 50 hours of stuff. And I mean, and that was the reason kind of given by the producers for why we're not honoring the timeline, right? Is you know, the timeline covers two and a half millennia and we've only got 50 hours of television to do this in. So <laughs> we got to cut some corners. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, and that's why they're shortening stuff. And, you know, they're, they're, they're taking out significant chunks um and they're taken although they are kind of like bringing them in by reference like belarian was something like belarian doesn't show up on the map apparently but um it is at least mentioned when they're having the discussion with Adar. um so you know you know there's a whole bunch of oversimplification that's going on with numenor i mean i thought the oversimplification we were going to get was that the the force was going to sail with with Elendil and Isildur, and Galadriel was going to sail off to Middle Earth. In the meantime, Alfarazon was going to stand back, stay back, get get whispered in his ear by whoever Sauron was, send the rest of the fleet off to Valinor, and then Numenor sinks, and then the expeditionary force is like what's left over and becomes the Numenorians on Middle Earth. Doesn't look like that. It's going that way. It looks like. They're gonna they're gonna spool that out longer than I thought they were going to, which is good. I have no complaints about that. Um, I
1: think sync newman will comes season like four or three or something.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's gotta be earlier than season four if because I think the the end of this arc is the battle with Sauron that we see at the beginning of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think oh.
1: starting before that happens, he like ransacks Oregon and takes Keldrimbor, right?
0: Yeah, I guess that's coming. Um. Uh, so, so curious, Rainier, what your thought was on this because I know this, this kind of clanged with some of us in our family. It was the whole, um, the elves are dying. We need the Mithril to save the elves.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. To begin, there's like a huge TV show for Lord of the Rings. I'm super excited. I'm super grateful. Any of my critiques of it comes out of like, I love a lot of aspects of it, but that was a little weird. I don't know. Um, I don't know much about that lure. I didn't think the elves got their immortality from Mithril. I think it's interesting take on how they're going to kind of like divide the elves and the dwarves. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But to focus on the positive facts, I'll start there. Positive, I think the orcs are made so well. I'm glad they didn't go CGI. I'm glad they went just to prosthetics. Um, the culture of the orcs was never really like looked at that much and you see them like worshiping Adar and you see them kind of going in and like the sun effects and I like that. The dwarves look looks amazing. I think even the elves looks looks amazing. But yeah, I don't know the mithril thing in episode five was kind of.
0: So I did hear an interesting take on this. This was from, from Ben Richardson who was at our game day today here. Um, and that there is apparently a theory going around, or at least that Ben espoused, that um, this whole Mithril thing is a head fake by Celebrimbor and um, and perhaps Gilglad, that, mm-hmm. that that basically they're making this up um, for whatever reason, and that this is an aspect of Celebrimbor's corruption um, mm-hmm. by Sauron, and that something something else is going on beneath the surface of this that's going to lead to the divide between the dwarves and the elves. Um, but, uh, but we'll, could, we'll have to see. That could be really interesting. Yeah. And, and, and I think if, if that's true, then that is, I mean, that's less than a, that's less of a diversion from the lore than it sounds. It's just, you know, it, it would be a, a detail of the lore that we're not really familiar with, but, you know, it's an aspect of an arc that we are familiar with.
1: No, yeah. And they're kind of setting it up to where Kilbrimbor and gil are kind of sneaky, sneaky. You know they what I mean? are. Like, really sneaky, sneaky. And it's like, ooh, gil like Gilgalad, Like, that's not the song, like, that they sang in the book. but Interesting take on it, you know? So, yeah, yeah really good. It, I, I didn't think about that, to be honest. I wasn't focused too much on... Mithril from that episode. I was more interested
2: in
0: Adar. Oh yeah, which is which is another interesting question. Um, a theory I have seen advanced, this one on the internet, uh, basically all I am is rumor monger here, but you know, that's, that's fine. But is, is, I can't remember what this guy's name was, but he was the elf that um, betrayed Gondolin in the first age. Uh, sorry, you you blipped there, Ringer. Can you say that again? The dark Elf. Yeah, um, and that uh, uh, he was, you know that it, that that's who this is. I think he was supposed to have died, but you know maybe he lived, and maybe that's why he's horribly scarred. Um, and that's uh, that's who this is. I think that'd be that'd be a fun little deep dive. That's him.
1: That what do you think he's he is Sauron though? No. Too obvious. And why isn't it uh, too obvious?
0: Too obvious. It'd like, be like saying the butler did it. I see, I see. His character is
1: very interesting, though. And I think, like, what he talked to... I forget that one... I forget all there. There's a lot of names for the new characters, but the one elf in the Southlands.
0: Oh, he, um... Arandir, or Yeah, Erendir. I think is how it's pronounced.
1: He talked about what was it, Valerian, with him. Yeah. Adars uh armor, he's got the rivers of. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. His character is very interesting. Yeah. But those so Sauron blocked out the sun. And he's looking to block out the sun, but maybe he's serving Sauron or something. I don't. I don't know. It, we'll have to see. It's interesting. He never denied that he was Sauron, though. He just like smash that one dude he was like watch
2: out how dare you Yeah,
0: it just it seems it seems it seems so obvious Um, and you know what it what it what it doesn't have going for it with the Gandalf thing is even though I think you know all signs are pointing toward mysterious stranger dropping from meteor being Gandalf is that as you point out in the timeline he's not supposed to be there so at least you know, he's a surprise. Um, whereas um, Saron's Saron's there somewhere. We just don't know where. And um, big bad elf-like guy who's leading all the orcs just seems like such the obvious answer that, I don't know, I'd be, I guess I'd be disappointed and, if it's. And funny.
2: also he, he seems too elf to me. Like he was talking about, was it Beleriand and stuff like that in yeah. the river? And it's like, he's definitely an elf and Sauron was not an elf.
0: Yep. I think that's right. That's, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. That's all right. interesting. All right, guys. Um, so it's getting late. I uh, hope you've all enjoyed this, including my repeated misstatements of our trans, transposition of Sauron and Saruman and fight value and defense value. But like I said, it's been a long day long day gaming, but it was fun. Um, uh, so, uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll uh, see you next time. Bye-bye everybody. Yes.